the action that everybody, everybody should take, whether you're experiencing a trauma or not, is looking inward. And when you actually face yourself, which by the way, very few people do because it's scary. (laughs) It's hard facing your own garbage, right? And then looking at, wow, I really don't like the way I showed up in that situation. I'm Brian Kramer. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is making smaller shifts. It's the small shifts in our lives that can create epic outcomes. Your journey to be more deeply connected into the life you truly deserve starts right now. Welcome to Humanly Possible, a podcast focused on small shifts that can make epic differences in our lives. I'm so excited to introduce Amber Billhauer, who is an amazing person I recently met and can't wait to meet in person. That seems to be the the thing these days. We're all so virtual, and yet we, we, we get to know each other so well over Zoom or phone or whatever, but she just absolutely casts this energy of light when we met, and her stories were so incredible, and I just know you guys are in for a real treat here. Amber's a leading digital marketing strategist who supports authors and speakers and coaches to establish a powerful integrated online presence that gets results. And I've seen it. You guys uh, look it up online, just type in her name and you'll see it. Although recently we may found, you may find that you'll have people actually pretending to be her. Um, and we did, we, we just had a good laugh on that. You can hear her laughing in the background. Um, she, she empowers them to make a difference in their industry. And since starting her company, NGNG Enterprises, so standing for no guts, no glory in 2007, she spent her career impacting her community and building strong strategic alliances with industry leaders and game changers everywhere, uh, including some some of my own friends. I don't know how we didn't know each other over the years, given who uh, she's worked with. On, on top of others, um, she's supported thousands of entrepreneurs on six continents. Six. So you just got one more to go. Um, <laughs> and she's launched, um, she's launched uh, dozens of best-selling books like Mark Victor Hansen and Brendan Burchard and Martin Lindstrom and Dr. Daniel... Uh, Amen, Amen. I'm probably going to get this wrong. And then Lisa Nichols and Les Brown. I mean, the list goes on. So amazing, amazing work and um, and bright light, shining star, just a beautiful person and human being. Thank you so much for joining. This is such an honor, Brian, because I've actually known of you for a long time, and um, and it's totally okay that you didn't know about me. I mean, you know, I forgive you and all, but. <laughs> It's been a blast just working with you and ideating with you. And I really, I have always honored and respected what you've, how you've taken your career. So it's great to be here. It's fun. Oh, well, let's get started. I'm just going to dive right in. And thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Um, what's one small thing or big thing that felt, felt important or not, or you didn't even know at the time, but it ended up becoming a big shift for you? How personal do we want to get right out of the gates here? Pretty, let's jump, pers- <laughs> let's jump right. right in. Let's just go for it. Um, great. Well, let me, I have to give you a little bit of context so this really makes sense. But um, so 
when you do Google me, you'll see this probably big personality, lots of smiles, you know, very gregarious person. And I was not always that way. In fact, when I was very young, I was an observer. It made people uncomfortable because I wasn't talking. I would just observe. And um, I loved being just a study of human behavior. And I was learning a lot. The other reason I was pretty quiet is because my older sister had a giant personality. And so she kind of cast this shadow over me. She was Miss Teen Arizona. She had straight A student. Everybody liked her. And I was the one that was sort of quiet and introverted, insecure. So I didn't have very many friends growing up, which actually became... um, it was just very difficult. And the older that I got, Brian, the more it really devastated me. And I started to just turn very negative and even more quiet. And then my parents started getting really, really concerned. Um, but I would come home from school, even in, in high school, middle school, and I would just go straight up to my room and lock the door. I didn't want to come down for dinner. Now, My parents were awesome. They were very loving, grew up in a great neighborhood. I was safe. I went to the best private school in Tucson, Arizona. So I did have every advantage. Um, and I'm very grateful for that. But, um, this, this relationship thing really stung, but what you saw in, in high school is I started to slowly hang out with people that I thought were quote, good enough, like that, to match whatever I felt on the inside, which means that I was not hanging out with very good, good people, not people that were making good decisions. And so I was, I started getting into trouble a lot. I was grounded constantly. (laughs) I was not doing well in school. I was failing out of grades. My parents, again, didn't know how to reach me, but one day, um, and this is a little bit of a complicated story, which is why I, hesitate to share some of the details of it, but just try to go with me. One day, this girl, Dana comes to me and she tells me a secret and she says, you better take this to your grave. You know, one of those moments when you're 16 years old. And so she tells me that she had been sleeping with our other friend's boyfriend. So they were having this little affair. Ooh, juicy. And yeah, totally right out of the gates. So I'm, I'm holding on to this information and over the course of the next week or two, it was really bugging me, Brian. Like it just, it felt so wrong because this other girl, her name was Isla. Uh, she was lovely. She was, she, you know, for the caliber of people I was hanging out with anyway. So I started feeling bad because Isla was so in love with her boyfriend and I knew he was cheating on her and it just didn't feel right. So I did the thing that I hadn't done previously in my life and I used my voice. So I went to Isla and I said, look, man, you've got to know that your boyfriend's cheating on you. And it felt like the right thing to do, but Isla blew up. She didn't believe me. It turned into a big thing. And then Dana found out and Dana was scathing angry. I mean, just cussing me out over the phone, threatening me over the phone. And it was scary. And it was just like, oh my gosh, I was just trying to do the right thing. (laughs) Well, so it seemed like a small thing at the time to to morally do something that I felt felt was right. But then what happened was a couple of weeks later when I thought the situation had been diffused-ish, <laughs> I went to a party that weekend. What I didn't realize is that that party was set up for me. 
And I walked into this kid's house and there were probably 60 kids, maybe 80 at the most. Um, again, I'm 16 years old. And I kind of got this vibe because I'm a pretty intuitive person. I got this weird vibe. And so I called my friend and I said, you know what? Come back, come pick me up. I don't really want to be here after all because I, I wasn't driving at the time. He said, well, it's going to take me a little bit of time. I'll be there in 45 minutes. So all I had to do was just be in this weird energy for 45 minutes. Well, about 15 to 20 minutes goes by, Brian, and all of a sudden the front door bursts open and these five girls come beaming in and just saying, where's Amber? Who's Amber? And man, you know that feeling when everything just sinks. And I started just, I almost fainted. I was so scared because <laughs> I thought, I don't know who these girls are. Why are they saying my name? And then somebody pointed at me and all of a sudden, these five girls come up to me. They're grabbing my hair and my arms. They're throwing me out in the backyard and they start pushing me around. And just, it was this crazy experience. And I ended up, um, you sort of saw the crowd opening up at a moment and the girls stopped harassing me. The crowd opened up and there was Dana. And she said, this is what you get, be the B word. <laughs> this is what you get B word. Um, and then the crowd sort of closed in the girls closed in and they jumped me that night. And I sort of had this out of body experience because I, and everything slowed way down. And I, I remember just sort of peeking up through the dusty ground at these kids all surrounding me, 60 of them. And I thought how interesting it is that nobody is trying to stop this. Nobody's trying to save me. I had to save me. And so I got up and I ran away just in time. My ride showed up. I, I literally jumped into the car and we zoomed off and I was bloody and messy and all the things. <laughs> um, and I still had no clue what was going on. I was in total shock. But as the, the days and the weeks and months progressed, what I realized is, is that became my rock bottom moment of my life. And all of a sudden, it became so clear to me that maybe I had been searching for somebody to save me and I was looking outward, but you, you can't do that in life. You have to look inward and save yourself and turn into the person that you would be proud to be. That is life. And so decision by decision, day by day, I started to turn into somebody I would be proud to be. I graduated high school with honors. I didn't care about friends at that point. I cared about getting my life back. I repaired the relationship with my parents. I went to the U of A. I got a job selling knives, Cutco Cutlery, which exposed my entrepreneurial spirit. I started my own business. And now I'm living the life of my dreams, Brian, all because I shared a secret. <laughs> wow. Wow. There's so much to unpack there. Um, and there are so many shifts within every single one of those. We might have to do a 10-part series. Um, <laughs> Deal. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I do want to, jokingly, but serious, serious as well. I do. Um, the one thing that comes up for me is the moment that you realized that no one is going to help you. 
and um, and how that carried you through to where you are today, obviously, and how that's informed you. Um, what I'm curious about is how did you reframe that? How did you redefine that moment of I need to help me with, with um, an understanding of... Um, as you're looking back at that experience, that's what that meant. That's how I need to look at it. Honestly, I think it just became pretty obvious that whatever I had tried up to this point in life clearly wasn't working. So me waiting, me not being actively participating in my own development, me complaining or or suffering or crying or making excuses or whatever I was doing. I mean, I was so young, totally underdeveloped. I was not prepared that for the realities of life on any level. <laughs> like it didn't feel like. And I think in that moment it was so deep and it was so shocking that I realized whatever I had done up to this point, I almost need to do the opposite. So if I were waiting for somebody to save me before, well, now I need to save me. Um, and now I need to go in for office hours and I need to actively participate in my own growth. Mm. Wow. Um, was there a, was there, is there a, a shift in all of that, that, that you would suggest to somebody who's going through something that's maybe going through their own rock bottom or they're going through, um, uh, or they're just stuck. They're just stuck in, in their own way because everybody has their own level of, call it, big, you know, trauma. Um, what's, what is the, what's that little shift that just gets you to see that perspective of how you turned your head and said, I need to go in that direction and do that? I actually get to share this advice every single day because the the people that I attract in Brian are some of the the most important conscious thought leaders and business owners of our time. Those are the the people that I'm fortunate enough to work with and launch books for and and help them build their platforms. And you would think when you're looking at these big influencers that they must have it all together. It's not true. And when somebody comes in to work with me, I think just because of the very nature of who I am, people trust me very quickly. They know I'm a vault. They know I'm not going to judge. You could literally not say anything to me I could think of that would make me judge you um, because who am I to judge? You know, we're all human. And so people just feel very comfortable with me very quickly. So it's not uncommon that I'm hearing people say, I, I'm not living my life that I want. I'm in this marriage that I shouldn't be in and I'm devastated. What are people going to think and how is it going to be? Or I'm $80,000 in debt and I don't even, I haven't even told my wife. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to make it through. I mean, cheating, financial stuff, bad business relationships. You, I've heard it all. And yet the advice is always the same. That again, you don't, don't seek out how things could change. It's not about investing in Facebook ads or it's not about starting the next business venture. Literally, it's not about that type of action. The action that everybody, everybody should take, whether you're experiencing a trauma or not, is looking inward. And when you actually face yourself, which by the way, very few people do because it's scary. <laughs> it's hard facing your own garbage, right? And then looking at, wow, I really don't like the way I showed up in that situation. 
ew, I don't want to be like that anymore. That I'm like not proud of that. Oh man, I am not proud of the way I did this other thing or the way I talked to my kid or my wife or my, my business partner or my whatever. Or even at a dinner party recently, somebody shared that the thing he learned the most within the past year is he was devastated to really observe the way that he spoke to himself. And he said, I would never talk to anybody else the way like that, the way I spoke to myself. So the point is, Brian, you got to face yourself and really look at what's going on in there. And then know that that's a choice. You don't have to live like that. It's no different than exercising in a gym. You just have to condition the awareness and make a different choice. If you want to be a person that jumps out of bed in the morning versus a person that hits a snooze button, if you want to be a person that that has the awareness to hold the door open for somebody instead of just letting them open it for themselves, if you want to have the awareness of seeing a veteran in a restaurant and deciding to secretly pay for his dinner, it's, it's literally just who do you want to be? And when you start fixing that, you just watch your problems go away. Well, that's the show. Thank you all for coming. Um, I, I dropped. <laughs> um, you know, it it kind of it it's so it's so about mindset. And what I love about what you're talking about is that we all have a choice, um, and we get to these choice points in these moments, kind of these moments of truth when you know you you're conscious of the decision, or you can become conscious of the decision that you want to make. Um, what's something that was insurmountable in your life? Like something that you knew, this is a big Kilimanjaro. This is a mountain I want to climb, or, or at least I think I'm going to go for this kind of thing. And, uh, but how am I going to get there? What are the shifts that I need to get to that, that Kilimanjaro or that place? Several. I mean, the first big one was obviously digging myself out of the hole um, when 16 year old self. I mean, I had a huge amount of work to do to fix my grades, to repair the relationship with my family, to rebuild trust, to turn into somebody different. I mean, and I, it, it wasn't overnight, not, not by a long shot. It took years to change my reputation. To, I mean, all the things, right? So that felt like an impossible journey. Um, I would say the business in some ways felt like an impossible journey because I had no formal business experience, Brian. I, I built my own website because I had taught myself code. I start blogging about what I'm learning about. And some woman in Canada reaches out saying, could you manage my website? And I said, sure. And then along the way, a friend said, you should probably file an LLC. And I said, well, what's that? I mean, like that's the level of experience I had as a young 20 year old. And so it, you know, I never really even thought that the business could be what it is today. I always thought maybe it was a hobby or a stepping stone to something else, but the marketplace said, you have something here, girl. And so then I had to dig in and figure out how to operate a business. And I've figured that out now and it's amazing. Um, And I would even add another personal one of uh, getting a divorce. That was a Kilimanjaro. What does that say about me? How are people going to think about me? And and who am I, you know, with this decision? And is this right? And is this what I want to teach my kid what love is? And all of the complexities, the enormous complexities that go into that. 
Um, so we all have our own Kilimanjaros, but again, what got me through it is that consciousness. It was being honest with myself. And when I was honest with myself, I knew in the business that I'm a person that can figure anything out and I'm willing to do it and I'm willing to bet on me. And in the relationship, it, there was just a truth of knowing that me staying in this relationship is not what's in the highest and best for all. So could I redesign? Could I rethink what it could look like and cast the vision and get buy-in and make it happen? And the answer is yes. And that's what happened. And so I think it it really does come from within, but you have to have courage because without that, it, none, none of this is going to work. Mm-hmm. Where does your courage come from? My mom. Oh. Um. A lot of people are interested in my company name, NGNG. Where does that come from? No guts, no glory. Well, it came from my mother, a single mom of two kids, and she worked very hard to put us in the top private school and to give us those opportunities. And she's a very spiritual person. So instilling practice in us, mindfulness in us, gratitude in us, sensitivity in us um, at a young age. And but she's a world traveler. She's an entrepreneur. She's enormously successful. And I just thought she was the most amazing human on earth. I still feel that way today. We're very close. But um, when I was deciding what to name that LLC, I thought business name, this feels really serious. What am I going to do? What am I going to call this thing? I don't even know if I want to be a business. I thought about my mom. And I thought about how courageous she has been in her life. She always used to say, no guts, no glory. And that's how NGNG was born. And so that phrase has stuck with me. I feel fear every single day, Brian, every day. I remember the fear of turning on the camera and recording a video or walking out onto the biggest stage I'd ever been on public speaking or telling my husband I wanted a divorce or all all of those moments that scare the daylights out of you. I think, okay, you know your truth. You're clear on that. No guts, no glory. Take the step. And then I do. And then I think of this fortune cookie that I got that says, do the thing you fear and the death of fear is certain. And I don't want to live a life of fear. So I just keep crushing those fears and it builds my confidence. And then I can create literally the most magical life out of it. Somebody somewhere needs to be thanked for a fortune cookie that actually said something good. I know. Because that was brilliant. I never get that fortune cookie. Oh my gosh. The fear is certain. Isn't that good? Wow. We got to, that's, that's one that we got to put in the show notes for sure. Um, When, when, um, when you think about uh, now where you're at and, and, your business is is thriving and and it's also it feels joyful. It's so um, joyful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's coming across like the energy that you put out is just like this is a joyful joy-filled business. Um and I know ever that's a that's a rare thing that people really want most in their life. And I'm curious not only how has what you've been through informed you to have that, but how do you sustain that? Well, it turns out that one of my biggest core values is relationships. I love connecting with people. Like that ability to make somebody feel seen and heard and valued in the way that I wished I had been seen, heard, and valued as a little kid. So you can kind of see where this came from. 
Oh, it's such a delight, Brian. It's such a delight to talk to an author who is insecure, even the big ones. And I can see it. And I see they need a level of healing. Like they're exhausted. They've been beaten down. They're uncertain of themselves or they have the right situation. They have the right support. And I can come in and just breathe that into them. Um, it's just, it's so joy-filled to me to, to do that for them. And then to see their demeanor, it, they get lighter and happier. And they, it's like, it's like a house plant that's been watered for the first time in a long time. And it just starts to come to life. And that's my experience every single day. Um, you know, I think as a business owner, as long as you're staying within your unique ability, it, anything, you're just joyful doing it, right? Well, my unique ability is relationships. So the hard part of this journey, the Kilimanjaro, was figuring out how to structure the business to keep me and my unique ability building those relationships. So if you look at my call calendar, Brian, it's enough to freak anybody out. I mean, I am literally on the phone back to back to back to back to back to back to back from pretty much 8 to 4.30 every day. I mean, like almost no breaks. And people just think, you're crazy. I would hate that. And they probably would. But for me, oh my gosh, I love it. Because every single time I open up that Zoom room, it's another chance where I get to see somebody come to life every time. So if I get to see 10 people a day coming to life, are you kidding me? That's the most joyful thing in the entire planet for me. <laughs> so, you know, I think again, attracting in the people around me that could allow me to do that was really important. So to other business owners that might be listening, you got to find out what makes me come alive. And then how can I find a way to get support and structure around that? So I can literally just do that every single day. And I'm here to tell you it's possible because I was not born with all of this knowledge. I earned this spot. Uh, and you can too. Mm -hmm. Yes, you did. Um, man, you were taking us to church today. This is awesome. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious uh, too, and I'm, I'm sure that there's so many people that, um, that there's a lot of um, insecurity around, is there a book is, 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 you know, cause there's so many steps when you go through a book, even just writing it before they probably get to you. I'm making up in my, my head that, that even just the writing process alone is that 12 step program. I know actually I'm speaking from experience. It's like, you know, by the time you hit the fourth step, it's like, is anybody really going to even read this? And then this, you know, by the time you're at the sixth step, it's like, forget it. I don't even care if anybody reads this. I'm still <laughs> writing it. And then you're yeah. in the 10th step and you're like, this is gold. Everyone's going to want this, but how am I going to get this out? And that's probably around the time that they come to you and they're like, do you think what happened? Uh, uh, and that's, uh, is that the insecurity that you're talking about? And, and like, this is my baby, like, this is my, ugh. and how do I, how do I release this so that it's taken well into the world? It's kind of an emotional experience that you oh, can't really describe unless you've been emotional. through it, right? Writing a book is one of the most emotional things that you can do because it's, you're filled with doubt. Even if you're a confident person and you know your stuff and you have case studies about it, filled with doubt. Uh, you second guess that this is the right way to say the message. Is this the right time to do it? And, and by the time you're going through the editing process, you've read the book 50 times and then you just kind of get lost in it and overwhelmed by it to a degree. And so, yes, that does happen. And then when you actually have to get it out into the world, now that's a whole other emotional process. Um, 
But there are so many other little crevices to this insecurity. So for example, when you are launching your book, one of the things that you want to do is ask if your friends and colleagues and peers and influencers will help you promote the book. Um, That is one of the biggest insecurities that every author faces because it's uncomfortable saying, um, Hey, Brian, I know you have like a lot going on, but I've got this book and, and it's really important to me. But do you think that maybe, well, you don't have to, but if you could maybe sort of like help me with the promotion of it, it's uncomfortable. Authors do not like that. So I work with them and I reframe that saying, this isn't about you. So the faster you realize that the faster we can actually make real progress in the project. This really is not about you. Yes, you were the carrier of the message. And I'm, I'm glad that you spend the time and the energy and the thoughtfulness to put it on paper. But this message is about the person who needs it the most. And if you actually want to transform that person's life, then you have an absolute obligation to knock on I don't care how many doors and you compel people to, to promote that book because you cast the vision and you share why this matters. And again, not because you want to hit bestseller, which sure that's going to boost your career, but you're going to get that as a byproduct of getting the world to buy into the message. So you have to take this a step deeper and go into the why, why did you get into this industry? Why did you write this book? Why does this matter? Why is this going to change somebody's life? And if you can put your focus and spotlight on that instead of what it's going to feel like for you, it will just change the whole experience for everybody, for you, for the person that you're asking, and you're going to reach the person who needs it the most. So that's one tiny conversation. There's insecurities around hiring people, around what to say on social media, around what they observe somebody else did, and they don't want to be like that, and they don't want to have ego, so I'm just not going to say anything because I don't want people to think I have an ego, and it's it's everywhere. Um, but that's why, for me, just being present and listening and being really mindful and seeing what's really going on beneath that person, um, that's where my real work is. Oh, you're like part, um, part coach and, and, and mentor and then part, um, therapist, coach, mentor, friend, it's family. Um, it's very personal. Mm. Wow. That's, um, it's nice to hear because there's not a lot of businesses that are, um, and, and I say businesses, even, uh, people that are, um, that, uh, I don't know if care is the right, but um, lock in. They may in, not know how to go deep. They may have deep. the care, but they don't know how to go deep, you know, and that's where the magic really lies. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, as we close out, I'd love love to um, make sure that we talk about the, um, like just the general process of what, what can you expect when you go to launch a book and what are your, what's your, your, way of saying like, you could do it this way, or you could do it this way. And you'd have a lot easier process if you did it, you know, versus just like putting it out in the world and saying, good luck, cross your fingers. I hope this does well. Um, What do you say when somebody comes to you and they're like, you know, this is the process that I would take if I were you. Right. Well, it's so I'll, I'll answer by telling you what most people do. 
most launch managers, team, publishing companies, hybrid companies, you name it, strategists. They're focused on the launch day itself and making you number one. And they're going to say, okay, you need to get some promotional partners. You should get on podcasts. And they have their sort of cookie cutter checklist approach. Um, So that's what most people do. And most people sell 500 copies of their book in the life of the book. So that to me is not setting that author up for success. And I've sort of observed this thinking, this is a big problem. Um, Authors love writing. Historically, they're not good marketers. They're mediocre salespeople. They don't know how to run a business a lot of times, but they have a message. They have a passion. They have creativity. They want to help others. So what happens is when an author comes to me, Brian, it's like, okay, you have this book. Now we need to build a business around it. So I'm the quote book launch manager who's really a business coach. If, you know, that's one way to look at it. So when you're talking to me, I'm looking at your core values, your avatar, your team, your tech stack. I'm looking at your website, what's missing, where are the leaks in your bucket? I'm looking at your marketing and what are the different layers of the marketing and how can we actually do it properly so that it's harmonious? Um, Then I'm looking at your monetization model. By the way, over 90% of the people that I talk to have the wrong monetization model because everybody's doing what they think they should do and not what's actually in alignment with who they are and what they want to achieve. So then we're usually redesigning what they're doing so that now everything is in alignment, the marketing, monetization, operations. And when, you know, a common next step, Brian, when people come to me is I will invite them to a 90-minute strategic planning session. And that's really where the work begins. Let's put it all on the table and let's, let's, Let's tighten things up and give you a working model and get you organized. All of a sudden, you see the author just so relieved. (laughs) And then it's time to get to work. So I play strategist, project manager, execution support. Sometimes I'm hiring people. I like hiring a virtual assistant for that author and then training that virtual assistant how to do part of the work to free up the author. Meanwhile, I'm getting the author focused on monetizing to recoup their investment in me. Then we're focused on developing relationships and getting those people on board to promote the book, count down to the book launch, and then scale their monetization model You know, on the other end of it. And then we start looking at, great, now what do we want to do from here? Because we've got to keep going. The book launch is just day one of your book's journey. And that's where most people run out of steam and quit and give up. But it's time to start building your seven-figure business, which absolutely can happen if you have the right strategy and the right focus and you're not all over the place. So that's that's what's possible with any book launch. Wow. So uh, there you go. Just do that. (laughs) Just do that. It'd be great. Yeah. (laughs) Or I remember... Yeah, or hire Amber. There's tons of information on my website that's free. I was just going to ask, how can can everybody find you? Yeah, just ambervillhauer.com, ambervv.com also redirects because nobody knows how to spell or say Villhauer, you know, so it's just fine. So ambervv.com. My YouTube channel is something to be celebrated. It is packed with really good, deep content. And it's just free because I know the right people will come in and work with me if it's it's a fit. So other than that, I just want to help other authors. So definitely check that out. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you. You just um, 
uh, save me, save me from having to ask you, how can people find you? So that's, that's perfect. And, um, and I want to thank you so much. I, I, I can spend all day talking with you and it's just an absolute delight to hear not just your business story, but your, your growth story as well and where you came from and what drives you and the impact that you're making on the world is just an incredible thing. I, you know, I can see it and I just absolutely adore you. So thank you so, so much for being here. That means so much. I always feel so seen by you, Brian, and that I know that's genuine. So thank you. Thanks for that. Well, cool. Thanks again for being here. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for joining us this week. If you love this episode, please subscribe. We love having subscribers just like you. Download a few more episodes. And if you feel moved, we would so appreciate a review. I'd love to also hear your key takeaway. What impacted you from this episode? You can tweet me your answer and reach out on Twitter at Brian Kramer. That's Brian with a Y, Kramer with a K. And definitely be sure to join us in our Facebook group. We have just under 3,000 humans just like you and me looking to connect even more imperfectly. Until next time.